I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we are talking about the movie The Quiet Man, which is a 1952 film directed by John Ford, starring John Wayne, Maureen O'Hara, Barry Fitzgerald, Ward Bond, and Victor McLagan. The screenplay was written by Frank S. Nugent, based on a 1933 Saturday Evening Post short story by Maurice Walsh. has kind of a short story flavor to it. Uh, The film features lush photography of the Irish countryside, sort of another character in this movie. And it was an official selection of the 1952 Venice Film Festival. And just to like flash forward to the trivia, it was also Maureen O'Hara's favorite film that she made. John Ford won the Academy Award for Best Director. It was his fourth and won also won Best Cinematography for Winton Hawk. And so the movie follows Sean Thornton, an Irish-born retired boxer who travels from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, represent to his birthplace of Innisfree. Um, and he's intent on purchasing the old family farm. He falls in love with a local girl named Mary-Kate Danaher, the sister of Will Danaher, who isn't at all keen to let Mary-Kate get get away that easily. When the two do finally marry, thanks to some shenanigans cooked up by the local priest and the Protestant minister and other neighbors, Will refuses the dowry that uh, Mary-Kate is due. She insists that her new husband fight her brother, but Sean refuses because of a fight gone tragically wrong in the past. Nevertheless, drinking, singing, cavorting, and fist fighting ensue. I am glad that you were doing the bio for this, Hillary, because this was one of the most insane movies yeah. that I've ever seen, tonally. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of what transpired. I was not expecting everything that happened. Me not. Yeah. From the basically, once we got about 10 minutes into the movie, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. What is this movie about? And and why is it happening? I picked this movie, even though I had never seen it, because I was like, oh, this movie is always shown on St. Patrick's Day. And Mm -hmm. like, this will be a great thing to do in March. I don't know why, but like, some of the like imagery about around this movie somehow made me think it was a drama like Mm. if you read a summary that was just like Mm. yeah you know former boxer befalls like tragedy and returns to his home country yeah you could think that that was an entirely different type of movie which is Mm -hmm. what i was expecting and that is not this movie (laughs) no it it there's some like melodrama but like ultimately it's played for laughs I think, in a yeah. like sort of, in a like, oh, women can't live with them, can't live without them, kind of. <laughs> can't way. live with them, get a big stick to beat them with. Yeah. And if you can't find one, let me get one for you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We'll get into it. <laughs> um, well, so I'm curious about the trivia. I did read that about Maureen O'Hara, and I, mm-hmm. like, I thought that was interesting, but I'd love to hear more. Yeah, so there was a lot on the internet in terms of trivia about this movie. Um, at the at the end of the film, uh, right as the credits are rolling, we see Kate and Sean standing in their garden waving goodbye. Um, and Maureen O'Hara turns to John Wayne and whispers something in his ear, if, 
which evokes this reaction from John Wayne that is apparently uh, authentic. Like he didn't know what Maureen O'Hara was saying to him ahead of time. Um, and and to this day, O'Hara, Wayne, and Ford were the only ones who knew what Maureen O'Hara said. And partly because John Ford apparently asked, like told Maureen O'Hara, here's this un- unscripted thing I want you to say to John Wayne in order to get him to look shocked. And she only agreed to say it if the three of them like promised they would take that information to the grave. Which they all did. So no Whoa, one but... no one knows what she says to him. Yeah, that part at the end was very odd. I kind of assumed she was saying something sexual to him. Mm-hmm. Like and that they were running inside to yeah. get busy. But like that was I don't know. Is that what you thought too? I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, probably. And I think probably based on that trivia, like that probably is what she probably said something salacious to him. And she was like, I'm only going to say that if no one one ever reveals what I'm saying to John Wayne. (laughs) So speaking of Ford, Wayne and uh, O'Hara in the scene where John Wayne discovers Maureen O'Hara in his cottage, the wind whipped her hair so ferociously that she kept squinting her eyes because the hair hair was getting in her eyes. And John Ford apparently screamed at her in this, uh, like using really strong, like uh, offensive language to get her to keep her eyes open, which like, okay, whatever. Um, and she apparently shot back. Uh, what would a bald headed son of a bitch know about hair lashing across his eyeballs? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Give uh, as good as you get. That's right. So Maureen O'Hara's two brothers, Charles B. Fitzsimmons and James O'Hara, were are also appearing in this movie, playing Hugh Forbes and Father Paul, which I think is neat. Yeah, that uh, is cool. Yeah. Um, this is also one of the few Hollywood films where uh, Irish Gaelic is spoken. There's a bunch of fil- a bunch of trivia about that's like vaguely violent. Um, in- because this movie is vaguely violent, um, including that she didn't, Maureen O'Hara didn't have a double in the scene where she's being pulled across, you know, apparently five miles of the Irish countryside. Um, so she, that's Maureen O'Hara getting bruised and uh, beaten up by being dragged across the Irish countryside. And in the filming of a take where John Wayne first kisses Maureen O'Hara, she slaps his face. And when he blocked the blow, she broke a bone in her hand. But oh, because gosh. they were filming it out of order, she couldn't wear a cast. Um, oh, no. Yeah. So, great. The And this is the last piece of trivia that I'll share. Uh, the budget for the movie was $1,700,000, which was huge at the time for Republic Pictures. John Ford agreed to cut the costs and got John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara to work for well below their standard rates. And Wayne was used to his standard Republic salary plus 10% of the profits, but he agreed to do the movie for a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, wow. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. This, this movie, I agree with you that the setting was like another character in the movie. And that was probably my favorite thing about Mm -hmm. the movie. And I think it probably must've been really nice for the actors to film there. Mm-hmm. yeah although you can tell a few, like in a lot of the scenes I some of the other trivia I saw was that like John Wayne was furious that like when they had to do like some scenes like on sound stages that it was like so obvious that the backgrounds were painted oh. um, which 
like when you know the budget was so low it's kind of like well you but can't also, really pay for <laughs> don't you think like i feel like it would be and especially then it would be hard to film on location in ireland because the weather is so unpredictable and so much mm-hmm. of this was filmed outdoors mm-hmm. right so you have to do what you can yeah well I bioed Maureen O'Hara. Yay. Uh, who I was surprised that we have not bioed before because we've done previous movies with her in, but she this she deserves her due. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maureen O'Hara was born Maureen Fitzsimmons in 1920 to an Irish Catholic family and raised in Dublin. She was one of six siblings, but the only redhead. And she was said to take after her mother, who was a former singer and a successful clothier who was considered one of the most beautiful women in Ireland. Mm. And Maureen O'Hara was also considered one of the most beautiful women in the world. (laughs) Uh, O'Hara aspired to be an actress from a very young age. She trained with the Rathmines Theatre Company from the age of 10 and at the Abbey Theatre from the age of 14. Charles Lawton saw potential in her and arranged for her to co-star with him in Alfred Hitchcock's Jamaica Inn in 1939. And she moved to Hollywood the same year to appear with him in The Hunchback of Notre Dame and then was given a contract by RKO Pictures. You know, she went on to have a long and very successful career and later was nicknamed the Queen of Technicolor. Um, And she was especially famous for her naturally red hair, which I think people liked in the Technicolor, (laughs) and um, her (laughs) propensity for playing passionate female leads. Her breakout role was in How Green Was My Valley in 1941, which was her first collaboration with John Ford, who you mentioned in the trivia. Um, Mm -hmm. And they, that was the start of a long friendship between them and she she worked with him a lot but he was kind of a jerk so it, it had its ups and downs and also i've seen that movie have you seen that how green was my valley no um that we should do that one sometime it's also a very good book um oh. but she she was really good in that and then she appeared in the black swan in 1942 the spanish main in 1945 Sinbad the Sailor in 47, and Miracle on 34th Street, also in 47. Uh, O'Hara made her first film with John Wayne, who who we see her with in this picture, in Rio Grande in 1950. And she became very closely associated with him. They did a lot of pictures together. This movie in 1952, The Wings of Eagles in 57, McClintock in 1963, and Mm. Big Jake in 1971. And her chemistry with him was so strong that most people assumed that they were married, or at least having an affair, (laughs) which there isn't any evidence of. Uh, In the 1960s, she started turning to more motherly roles. Mm. And she appeared in The Deadly Companions in 61 and The Parent Trap Mm -hmm. in 61, which we also covered on the podcast, and The Rare Breed in 66. And she retired from the industry in 71, but returned 20 years later to appear with John Candy in Only the Lonely in 1991. Um, And in the 1970s, O'Hara helped her husband, Charles Blair Jr.'s flying business. She helped run her husband, Charles Blair Jr.'s flying business in St. Croix, um, but later sold it to spend more time in Ireland. Uh, She was married three times. 
and had one daughter, Bronwyn, who was actually named after a character in How Green Was My Valley. She published an autobiography called Tis Herself, um, which is a great title. (laughs) In 2004, and that became a New York Times bestseller. And in November 2014, she was presented with an honorary Academy Award with the inscription to Maureen O'Hara, one of Hollywood's brightest stars, whose inspiring performances glowed with passion, warmth and strength. And she died on October 24th, 2015 in her sleep at her home in Boise, Idaho from natural causes. She was 95 and she was was buried at Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia. I didn't know that she was buried there. Yes, I included that because I was like, next time I am there, (laughs) I'm going to look up her grave. (laughs) Go there. Why was she buried at Arlington? So she was buried next to her third husband. And I guess that's where his family plot was. I guess that makes Um, sense. But and I really just skimmed the surface because like, obviously, she was working for many years. And (laughs) there's a lot going on. But I enjoyed her in this film. And I liked her in the other roles. Mm -hmm. I mean, my problems with this movie were not her acting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she did the best she could with what she was given. (laughs) Yes. So um, what did you think big picture, Hillary? I would say big picture. I appreciated a movie that in Ireland with like, you know, definitely had like a feeling of like a a small Irish town in an Irish countryside with like some uh, interesting characters. I did not appreciate the like overall acceptance of like, oh, a a woman is the property of her brother or her father Mm -hmm. or her husband. You know, he, they can all treat a woman however they want. Not a very like palatable premise. I, yes, I agree that I liked watching a movie that was filmed in Ireland and I liked the time period. Mm-hmm. I wrote down like the whole thing kind of felt like nostalgia porn. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it felt geared towards, I mean, I'm sure that this, it was, it felt geared towards Irish Americans mm-hmm. who have an idea of what it would be like to move back to Ireland and like the small town village where everyone's straight out of central casting and Mm -hmm. being hilarious all the time and like one of the most unbelievable but also I I mean I don't know but I thought it was very (laughs) shocking that he comes back to the village as an outsider and like his family is from there but like basically everyone just immediately accepts him and is on his side about everything yeah except Mary-Kate's brother yeah and I'm like this dude actually lives here. Yeah. Well, and I don't like a, that character, but... Yeah. Although, yeah, he's definitely coded as being a jerk. I mean, some it's like different culture, but some of it did remind me of going to the village where uh-huh. Mike's parents grew up. How, like, you know, he should... When he first showed up and he meets this dude and, he, and then he, everyone's saying, like, oh, yes, like, this was the name of all your relatives and this is where they died. <laughs> Like that definitely has happened when we've gone to the village and it's like, oh yes, you're like, it's almost like the Bible, like this person begat this person begat this person. (laughs) You know, they, like people are like, oh yes, I know your people, so you're okay. 
and then there's like also a lot of focus on like death or like oh this person died then and that that felt real to me mm-hmm. yeah but aside from all of that like the actual um like romance of it did not appeal to me and the plot got more and more ludicrous as the film went on until <laughs> basically the last 20 minutes was just like a full-out brawl <laughs> yeah yeah and like to me that what was so ludicrous was that like he like he sean refuses to fight mary kate's brother will because he like in his last fight as a boxer or whatever like accidentally kills his opponent and yet he has no problem like like taking his wife like roughly by the arms or and like and yanking her across the countryside for five miles i mean then and you know she's not a perfect person you know by any means she has a temper but like that doesn't excuse at all or justify at all like the way that he treats her sometimes yeah and then when when he broke down the door to the bedroom too yeah i found that scene scary (laughs) i didn't know where it was going i didn't think about it as much for sean but like there is a reading of this movie where like the two leads are basically survivors of trauma like i i thought this about the mary kate character that like she makes sense to me as someone who's like been abused mm-hmm. the way that she acts like she's clearly been abused by her brother mm-hmm. and like yeah. beaten and she's basically like a servant to him like did you notice there's not even a seat at the table for her oh any yeah of the times? yeah totally um and then like for her to have a stick ready to like hand to sean yeah just to be like standing there waiting for her beating and then also the whole thing about the money and how she wants him to fight for the money Mm -hmm. also felt like a sort of like a learned like she basically through this like abuse has learned to accept like or uh revere men who are like brutes Mm -hmm. and she wants him to be a brute (laughs) like basically right And, like, I appreciate that she's, like, it's, you know, she's, like, I'm not going to be happy until I have my stuff around me and I have my money and, like, you need to go fight because it's my money. You know, I know you don't care about it, but it's mine and I need, like, this is the only way I'm going to get it because, like, she can't just, like, say to her brother, like, give me my, give me my money. So, like, she's in a system that isn't, like, apparently that isn't fair to her, like, even if she weren't, like, traumatized and (laughs) in all the ways that you said. So, like, she's, she has, like, limited options. There's no way she can win. (laughs) Yeah, and it did, the whole thing was just, it was all played for laughs. It's like, isn't this hilarious? But it seemed very brutal to me. Yeah. Some of it reminded me, like, it felt like the, there was a subtext to like her wanting the money and the things that was like, if you don't fight for these things, you bring shame upon us and we will not be respected in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. she, so she was pushing for it for that reason too. And like, mm-hmm. even to the, when with the like suggestions of beating and like the other people who are around and are like, like that old woman who's like, here's a nice stick to beat your wife with. Like at yeah. one point, like they're all sort of feeding into this like this is how you have to behave in this community to be respected Mm -hmm. yeah i know 
It reminds me, have you ever read Outlander or watched Mm-mm. Outlander? Because there was a whole thing in that too where the male lead has to like beat the female lead or like not like a horrible beating, but like has to demonstrate that he is beating her so that he doesn't lose the respect of the clansmen, like even though he mm-hmm. doesn't want to. And mm-hmm. I was like, that feels like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a basically just like emotional and physical abuse like rain down both of these characters also hell did you notice that like the entire movie he doesn't talk to mary kate about the fact that he is a a boxer or b that he killed this dude yeah i know he doesn't want anybody to know like and and like he realizes one of the the like protestant minister like realizes that he is a that he is who like the this prize fighter and he like is like don't say anything and yeah and he doesn't even tell his wife which i'm like mm, this is not gonna turn out well <laughs> <laughs> yeah and to the end i mean their whole courtship is very brief like yeah he sees her in a field with a collie and some sheep and then he's like that's the one yeah <laughs> i'll be marrying her um i did think like part of me, I mean, maybe this is like the Catholic in me, but I liked how transgressive that whole thing was with him dropping the um, holy water. Oh, yeah. And how that everyone was... was so like appalled by that. Well, and apparently that was like such a, this is another piece of trivia. So the church that they like are coming out of in in that scene is like was in reality a protestant church that the, like the the people in charge of that protestant church were like you cannot put like even though you're like it's okay that you're pretending that this is a catholic church but you can't put a catholic baptismal font like that that set up in this church and so they ended up having to like put it outside because that was the only option i love I mean, tensions remain. My mom still insists on, like, you know how it's more common now to, like, just say Christian, like a Christian church? Mm-hmm. My mom still insists always on saying Protestant. Uh-huh. And, like, it's like a, t- she doesn't do it <laughs> for mm-hmm. a nice reason. Like, for her, it's like a pejorative. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, gosh, can we, it's just like centuries and centuries ago. Can we move on? Don't but tell her. Don't tell her I'm a Protestant. <laughs> I won't tell her. I'll be like, that's a nice Catholic girl over there. <laughs> <laughs> so even though a lot of this movie was like a little off-putting there were still things i found funny about it mary kate's brother how he like write if someone becomes his enemy he says like write their name down in my book and then then cross cross them out yes that was hilarious i was like should i start carrying a small notebook with me i write down my enemies names and then cross them out that seems like a very like if that's all he did of like i'm like oh you are now my enemy i'm gonna write your name down and cross you out like sure (laughs) (laughs) seems like a good self-care practice (laughs) actually that would like that's that's a very good point it's like you're doing something but it's benign (laughs) (laughs) um i also liked when the priest said like do what i say or i'll read your name out at sunday mass Which, like, is is a legit threat. <laughs> That's not something I would want to happen to me. Everything relating to the tandem bicycle, by the way, with oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the Protestant 
minister and his wife. I just thought that was a, such a like hilarious detail that they like wrote everywhere <laughs> on their tandem bike. I know that was that was pretty cool. I also thought it was funny how like the bishop came to visit the Protestant minister and he said he only had three congregants. Yeah, but the town tried to make it seem like they All were. Cared. Yeah, that they all cared so they wouldn't, like, move him out of the town. Like, that was pretty nice. Well, and I thought it was hilarious when the, like, Catholics were like, okay, we're going to put scarves over our uh, tabs. And they were like, I forget what he said, but it was basically, like, cheer like Protestants or whatever. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was really funny. (laughs) I mean, I feel like we should talk, too, just about the whole idea of, like, homecoming. Mm Mm-hmm. For people, and like you know, particular. Neither you're not Irish at all, are you, Hill? They're like my great 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 grandparent. Like my, I mean, my grandmother's maiden name is Crowley, which is an Irish yeah. name. Um, so somewhere and, in there, yeah, like gotten a small percentage of Irish. <laughs> well, then maybe you have more authority because I don't. I'm not at all, and. To my knowledge. So, like, I can't really speak to, you know, the particular, like, longing that Irish Americans feel, mm-hmm. like, with all of the, like, horrible history around, mm-hmm. like, the famine and people having to leave and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not, like, that's not personal to my family history, but, like, you could definitely feel that. Mm-hmm in this movie without them even really talk they I don't think they actually talked explicitly about that at all Mm -hmm. well it seemed it did seem what what felt reasonable about this movie is that like this is a town where he was born and baptized and then left when he was small and you know and then goes to Pittsburgh who knows what happens to his dad I can't remember if they even say and but he says that his mom dies when he's 12 so then he has this like horrible accident basically and so to me it seems logical that like in having like been a part of that tragedy you would be like a get me the heck out of Pittsburgh and b let me go back to this place where I was a kid and my you know it's where my mom is from and like in my head it's not at all connected to you know this the scene of this accident like that felt reasonable to me yeah movie that was otherwise not reasonable (laughs) yeah like he would want a fresh start and to be Mm -hmm. you know somewhere where he belonged Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So I do think they meant that that one older guy who was like, your father was blah, blah, blah. You know, he said something about his Sean's father being sent to a penal colony in Australia. Oh, that's right. That's right. And that he died there. So I guess like he got sent there and then the mom and Sean went to America and then she died. I mean, this yeah. also supports the trauma theory. Yeah, it's all pretty <laughs> <That's>... dark. <laughs> Like, if that happened and then he was 12 and on his own, oh, which for that yeah. time period is feasible, like, you know, yeah. maybe if he was 12, he wouldn't have even gone to an orbit. It would have been like, all right, you're working. Yeah. that That's a pretty rough life. <laughs> and then yeah. you become a boxer. Yeah. It would. Yeah, that does support your trauma theory. Yes, it does. But it reminded me of there's this German word, Heimat. It's loosely translated to like homeland, but really it's like the place where you belong and you feel a sense of belonging. Mm. And I've heard stories about 
people of Irish descent who are like generations removed and then like the first time they set foot on Irish soil they like weep because they have this feeling like that uh-huh. and it does seem like there's something compelling about that land that place Mm-hmm. that like to pulls people and i think this movie i mean in the weird wacky loopy way it was doing it was trying to get at that yeah the like yeah the sense of home that you carry with you <laughs> yeah yeah and it was i felt like if you set aside like all the horrible stuff about this movie i actually felt kind of happy for him that it was like he had this horrible stuff happen he went back and was successfully able to like acquire his family's home and then he's just like settling there Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that works out for him so i mean i don't know i don't have high hopes for that marriage i will say that but it did seem like very ideal and i mean that's why i said it was like nostalgia porn because i feel like that's the that's the fantasy like you go back to the place Mm -hmm. where your family is from you are accepted you you take over the ancestral lands and you like thrive there and i mean this is like a village where it seemed like nobody worked mm-hmm. and everyone was drunk all the time. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know how this is a place where you can make a living, but okay. Yeah, but apparently does he doesn't have to make a living because he was a famous and successful boxer. So Yeah, not, I guess not. that it helps. It helps if and you've got that strong American dollar. <laughs> strong American dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it is kind of like just thinking about like the nostalgia piece of it. It's interesting sort of the layers of the like passage of time that like this movie was made in, you know, 1952 based on a 1933 short story. But the short story is set or in the movie is set in the 1920s so that there's this sort of like layer upon layer of like, um, like separation of time. And of course, we watched it, you know. <laughs> A hundred years after its setting, which is a little bit bananas to think about, actually, now that I'm <laughs> saying it out loud. To say that the 1920s were a hundred years ago. Oh, gosh. Well, it did. It took me a little bit to orient myself in time when the movie started. I mean, I basically, mm-hmm. I was expecting it, I think, to be contemporary with when it was filmed. Because mm-hmm. you also just didn't hear about a lot of, like, reverse migration in that time of like the 20s of like like that was a time when like there were a lot of people still coming over Mm -hmm. here from Ireland so like Mm -hmm. the idea of him going back but then I was only oriented through the clothing and the fact that there were no cars and people Mm -hmm. were wearing bowler hats I was like Mm -hmm. okay put these things together there was some vague reference to the war which I assume was World War One I was like I guess this is where we are now but Mm -hmm. they don't make it totally clear yeah big reference to bowler hats and the steam engine <laughs> apropos of nothing i did i am not a john wayne person i mean surprise <laughs> he's not my cup of tea no because it turns he, out he's a jerk in real life <laughs> and even like the roles he i mean yeah yes just in general but of the things i've seen him in Physically, I found him the most appealing in this movie, and I think it was just because he was wearing a Jeff cap the whole time. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say because he had where he was wearing high rise um, pants, so his butt looked cute. I do like high rise pants as well, <laughs> but that like sort of like the vests and the like tweed and the Jeff caps were they were choice in this, and 
yeah. guess like anyone could wear them and would probably look good. Yeah, yeah. I appreciated costumes. I also appreciated that little like that uh little horse cart that Micheline drove with the like courting people and he was like the chaperone and they had to sit on opposite sides. It looked so uncomfortable. Yeah, that <laughs> that whole thing with the the courting and the like reading of the bands and all. That was another thing that I was like, what time period are we in? <laughs> because <laughs> usually when i read stuff like that it's like you know a book that's set in the 1700s <laughs> jane austen <laughs> yeah yeah that did look very uncomfortable but can we just talk about michael lean for a second yeah thoughts did you think he was a lovable alcoholic i, I mean i was like who are you like do you, <laughs> do you are you the town mascot i don't even know like because you're like picking people up from the train you're driving the like the courting cart and you're like <clears throat> you're always in the bar you're you know so like what is the deal <laughs> you're everybody's best friend <laughs> yeah and never yes again no one in this town seemed to work <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when he's like pouring the whiskey i mean i know it's supposed to be funny but he pours like five to six fingers of whiskey and that's like just one yeah. glass yeah and so yeah i felt like a lot of the town like even on the wedding day where everyone was still drunk from the night before and then they like show up at their house mm-hmm. i i yeah. don't know i mean it's supposed to be funny but i'm also like everyone has a problem here. <laughs> <I know. laughs> there's this is a serious issue <laughs> please stop drinking <laughs> living my own life making my own decisions for a long while now it's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again well do you think we're ready to talk about the the Bechtel test we could probably sum it up in like two words (laughs) I could do it in one no It does not pass. Even like the it doesn't pass and I'm and I think there was only maybe like one or two moments in the whole movie when mm-hmm. two women speak to each other at all. Mm-hmm. And They're brief moments, yeah. Very brief and it's still about men. So Yeah. The whole thing, the whole premise of the movie is men. And can I just say it's one of my pet peeves when there's stories like this where there's supposed to be like a fiery passionate woman and then like the men desire her but like really they just want to dominate that person. Yeah. It's like isn't this person interesting and exotic? How could we force them to be our servant? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I just I Great. felt that very strongly here. Yeah. And did not like. Yeah. Yeah, women Women, women, uh, women's autonomy is not valued in this movie. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Yeah. What about social justice? I mean, I think we kind of like talked about it a little bit in terms of just like, you know, how they kind of everybody in the village kind of pulls for each other for the most part and like clearly protecting each other and helping each other and assisting each other, uh, even if it's assisting them to like get drunk. Um, so there's definitely like a strong sense of community and I guess I also appreciate that like it seems to me that Sean wasn't like he's harder on himself about this like accident than the U.S. judicial system was that like there was some understanding that like yes this was an unfortunate accident but you didn't mean to do that and of course he has the privilege of being a white man yeah. so like he's given the benefit of the doubt yeah that's true 
I was wondering about that. I mean, it's it's sort of, I wonder if it would have been a more interesting movie if he had actually fled some sort of justice for this. Right. But that would have been it. That would have been the drama that I expected this to be mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of the movie that it was. Mm-hmm. That's right. Sort of a light comedy about <laughs> the abuse of women. I mean, it did seem, as we mentioned, that like that Mary Kate and Sean both have trauma and they don't communicate to each other about it at all. And that mm-hmm. is very sad. Yeah. It also, I mean, not like I'm trying to say, like, of course, this Irish village would have to be impoverished, but there's like no poverty in this village that's mm-hmm. visible. Yeah. Which I thought seemed strange. If this is just a village where everyone's thriving, but no one is working. Like, I just, I, yeah. it, that part seemed like an omission to me, especially at a time when so many people were still leaving the country because of poverty and no opportunities and and discrimination and violence and like all these things so like it just seemed like a like they were kind of like we're just gonna make a fun romp yeah that you know where people are brawling and beating their women but we're not going to talk about these other things yeah and i think that's definitely like part of the nostalgia porn porn like you know this idyllic village we're not going to actually talk about the the tough parts i mean this is a later time period but did you read you read brooklyn didn't you Mm -hmm. yeah because we went to see that author Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. um because it does seem like there's sort of like a tension between the people who left and the people who stayed Mm -hmm. too which wasn't really brought up at this yeah there i think there are some like oblique references of like who's this american guy and then they're like oh you're not just any american guy like you were born here and you remember like you said like remember generations of your family and your grandparents are buried over there yeah it's kind of funny because it's the opposite like it seems like americans love stories that are like this town's too small for me i'm gonna like break out and make it big in like the big american city or like you know i'm moving to america these like um make it rich but then they also love the like i'm going back to find my roots and it's like well which is it americans (laughs) which are you doing because you can't have both (laughs) don't add us (laughs) so are we ready to rate yes i think i'm gonna give this movie a two yeah oh yeah i just like i guess i'm glad that we watched it because it is different from a lot of the movies that we've seen but you know i think like especially for the portrayal of women in it or the lack of portrayal of women i think that's that's about all i can give it what about you i would give it the same a two I did really enjoy the setting mm-hmm. um, and it did make me want to watch more Maureen O'Hara, mm-hmm. but it just, it wasn't for me. Like I was not the intended audience of this film. <laughs> so <laughs> You're not Irish, so you don't care. <laughs> I mean, not so much as that. Like I'm interested in, I mean, I, I'm planning a trip to Ireland next summer. <laughs> so like... In some ways, this movie should be for me, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's more just like, I would like a more like complex look at like what the actual dynamic would be. And also some like decent female characters. Yeah, just like a, just an entirely different movie. I agree. <laughs> yes, like basically an entirely different movie. Keep the setting. Keep Maureen O'Hara. That's right. Everything else change. <laughs> Maybe the Kali can stay. Yeah, that's right. Even Micheline. Sure. Fine. Yeah, I would keep him. He seemed okay. So, Hillary, what's our next movie? 
Okay, so our next movie is High Society. Sharp turn. (laughs) (laughs) May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter at The Screen Sirens. Leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. And become a patron at patreon.com slash The Screen Sirens. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.